On the last episode of HPH, we began the story of Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin. We told you about his tumultuous childhood, his days as a revolutionary and exile, and his rise to power following the death of Vladimir Lenin. This week, we're getting into the good stuff. And by good stuff, I mean the awful, terrible, can't-believe-this-shit-happened-less-than-a-hundred-years-ago stuff. There's going to be mass executions, a brutal war in which the Soviet people are treated like meat to be fed to a grinder, and then even more death and suffering before Joseph Stalin does everyone a big favor and dies a horrible death himself. We know you can't wait to hear it, so go ahead and grab your drinks, settle in, and enjoy this episode of Hunter Proof History titled Joseph Stalin Part 2. So many statistics. This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Oh, shit. Hello, everyone. It's, uh, it's, it's good to have you all here. You, wow. <laughs> Look at you. You've, uh, you've done a number on yourself. Oh, don't deny it. You are looking fetching, if I do say so myself. But, <laughs> hey, all that aside, sexy you, thank you for listening to our podcast. I'm Greg, and I'm here, as usual, with... My uh, fantabulous host, Christopher. Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, nice to meet you. Um, you do look very sexy, and I would like to send you an unsolicited picture of my penis. So, hi. Uh, that's all I got. Yeah. I'm 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 not good at this. I'm sorry. I, I have no game. Yeah, and I would also like to have sex on top of you. <laughs> so, I've cultivated this voice for so many months, hoping to seduce a single listener. Mm. Male? Female? It doesn't matter. Hit me up in the comments. I, I, I really need to fuck, guys. No, keep, oh. the, keep the voice. Keep the voice. You're doing okay. Oh, I, I, oh. Confidence. I really need to fuck, guys. There it is. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> It loses its... <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. Hello, everyone. Yep. Welcome back to Hunter Proof History, the podcast that does the research for you. So if you're ever in an argument on, like, Twitter or something, and like, do your research. Be like, I listen to Hunter Proof History. I don't have to. They do it. I don't have to do my research about this vaccine. I am a member of QAnon.com. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Samesies, you know? All I'm saying is there are scientific documents proving it turns people into mindless zombies who vote Democrat. That's all I'm saying. That's it. You know, I'm just putting that out there. It's just a is question. Is that a bridge too far? Yeah. You know? I, yeah. I just think it's weird if you, you just go through life without questioning things. Yeah. What are we, sheep? Like your sexuality. <laughs> Don't knock it till you try it. With some things, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Gotta be open-minded about 
certain things, but not about other things. Just, you know, just whatever things make you hard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. We've been dilly-dallying, but I think it's time we let these people know there's a book that we read, and it's about this story, and it's called Stalin, New Biography of a Dictator by Oleg Klevniuk. We read. I think you're using we very, very <laughs> loosely. I did not read it. Sorry. Uh, well, me and the fellows in the boarding home, we all sat around the the space heater the other day and read it. And by space heater, I mean the gas stove that we have to turn on to get heat. And uh, we read the whole book, you know. It was interesting read. Whole time, old Dirty Steve's rubbing me on my nipples, just excited as hell to hear about Stalin. And who could blame him? You know, it's a very arousing story to ignore all the death and horrible things Stalin did. But the rest of it, oh, strap in, listener. True. Strap on, too. Oh. Well, in the subtitle of this episode is So Many Statistics. And, you know, that comes from Stalin himself. Because Stalin allegedly said, The death of one man is a tragedy. The death of millions is a statistic. Which, it's interesting to think about. It's very cold, very callous, which, as we will find out, is the way that Stalin operates. But the man also makes a point. He does. If you listen to one of our Halloween episodes, it's always about serial killers. Those guys kill like six or seven people. But you get to know them. And you get to feel bad for them. Like, oh no, this guy died. And you listen to one of our World War One episodes, and it's like, oh, on the first day of the Somme, 40,000 British men died. Okay, moving on. Next right. point, you know, is just, uh, he, he's not completely wrong. He's an asshole, but he's not wrong. And so get ready for a lot of statistics, because there are going to be so many fucking people die in this episode. You're not wrong, Walter. You're just a fucking asshole. Exactly. All right, bud. Well, why don't you launch us into this amazing second part of Joseph Stalin? Let's do it. When we left you, it was the year 1932. Joseph Stalin was the general secretary and de facto dictator of the Soviet Union, and he was hell-bent on modernizing and industrializing the country. Unfortunately, just like in Back to the Future, when Marty McFly played Johnny B. Good. His country just wasn't ready for that. But their kids were going to love it. But no, they weren't ready for that. And so to have enough workers for his factories and construction crews, he needed to heavily populate the cities. This meant there weren't enough farmers left to grow enough crops and raise enough livestock in the countryside. And to feed people in the city, Stalin took all the food from the farmland, especially in places like the Ukraine, and as a result... Millions of Soviet Union citizens died of starvation, and an untold number were tortured or killed by the secret police for daring to try and keep grain for themselves and their starving families. And again, the secret police are the ones dressed like women who stand on the street corners, and you pull up and you let them in your car, and you're like, are you one of those guys, you know, guys who dress like women? And try and lure men into their trap, and they're like, yes, I could 
fucking thank God. And you drive off, and then you get arrested. <laughs> what is that shit? Yeah. I, that's not what I meant. <laughs> and fucking Politburo got me again. Fucking Cheka in KVD, KGB, they're all in on it. Fucking FBI, secret police trying to overthrow the government. Wait, they are the government. Fuck. That's just not, that's not how it works. Oh, no. Wait, this doesn't... Holy shit. <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. I'll just ignore it. Yeah, let's just continue. Instead man. of getting the point, I'll, I'm just going to ignore it and continue down the same path. I'm just going to pretend like six years ago I wasn't clapping when the FBI investigated my political opponent. And uh, now it's unbelievable. I can't believe that shit is happening. <laughs> there were some emails, but now there's literal boxes of top secret federal documents. Boxes and boxes. But... No, 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 no but, those, but those emails, man, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're way worse. Benghazi. Like, <laughs> several people died. Benghazi. 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 I, I like that we record this in advance because by the time this releases, the entire country may be in shambles. We never know. Always has been. <laughs> yeah. It's always the risk we run when recording this, like. It might be the last thing people hear before society completely crumbles. I hope it is. <laughs> Just for the cred. You know. I hope it's the reason society crumbles. Oh, we're not doing good. This is... Oh, it'll never be that. <laughs> well, at the beginning of 1933, however, Stalin decided to take a chill pill and eased up his self-proclaimed war on the peasants. The Politburo decided to actually provide the farmers with a quota on how much grain they'd have to provide and told them that they could sell the rest. And they didn't all have to live on community farms and they could own their own small plots of land that didn't belong to the state. Sounds like capitalism. Stalin even went on the record to say that a cash economy was pretty cool. Well, that's the thing, Chris. Come on, dude. You know this. Like, communism, pretty rad. It's just never, it's <laughs> never been done, dude. <laughs> That's what Reddit keeps telling me. Come on, man. <laughs> it's, uh, 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 Head explodes. Yeah. Here's the thing. You got communism on one end. You got libertarianism on the other. And it all relies on people... Not being assholes, which is just impossible. Can't work. No. At some point, somebody's going to take advantage of the system. Everybody's going to get fucked. So you might as well just pick capitalism where the goal is to fuck everybody. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm proud You're to be an wrong. American. Or at least I know or I'm free. Or at least I know I'm free to get fucked. <laughs> yeah. Well, now Stalin was starting to look like a real moderate. He and the Politburo even got rid of the secret police. And they replaced them with a new form of secret police. On paper, it looked like the people had more rights within the judicial system, and the power of extrajudicial murder cops was lessened. But in reality, Stalin started taking more personal control over the new secret police, the NKVD, and used them to further cement his own power. 
A big moment for Stalin and the Soviet government came in 1934, when Politburo member Sergei Kirov was assassinated. Kirov was a big supporter of Stalin, and he really didn't differ from him when it came to policy, but in early 1934, senior party officials decided Stalin was, uh, how you say, a massive douche nozzle, and they might be better off if Kirov was running things. Stalin got wind of this, and there are some witnesses who say Kirov was the one who told him. But still, lots of members of Congress voted against Stalin. Old Joseph Stalin, old so-so Joseph Stalin, had all of their votes thrown out, and then ten months later, Kirov was dead. What? Yeah, surprising, right? Very. <laughs> what happened? Well, let me tell you. Oh, cool. On December 1st, Kirov was walking through the halls of his office building when a rando named Leonid Nikolev walked up behind Kirov and shot him in the head. That's pretty fucking metal. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I'm not gonna lie, dude. That's pretty metal. This is the Soviets you think of. You right? know what I mean? Yeah. When you think Soviet, you think fucking all this secret shit going on. Uh, just these random murders, but they only seem random to you. They're planned behind the shadows, you know? They're they're fucking going for it, dude. And that, it's respectable, you know? Do you agree with me? I don't want to agree with you that murder... You better fucking agree with me <laughs> right now, Chris, or bad things could happen. Okay, I, I agree with you, main host. I'm sorry. Okay, Chris agrees. Uh, carry on. Damn it, now I'm tied into your conspiracy. Metal! <laughs> Nikolev then tried to kill himself, but Kirov security, which had suspiciously been lagging behind, rushed up and subdued Nikolev. And then they also arrested him after they subdued him. Sub, dude. <laughs> He's just minding his own business, and they rush up, like, throw him in the gimp suit and zip everything up. Strap You're him in the chair. You're now a sub, dude. <laughs> well, they walk up to him. They give the peace sign and say, sub, dude. <laughs> then they make him a sub, dude. And, and then they actually subdue him and arrest him. Yeah. Well, since that day, conspiracies have swirled around the murder, ranging from Stalin and the NKVD carefully arranged the assassination to the much, much simpler explanation that Kirov was fucking Nikolaev's wife. In the end, uh, why it happened is probably way less important than what happened afterward. Or, you can hear me out, mm -hmm. maybe this isn't so much an NKVD plot so much as a JCVD plot. JCVD? Oh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Maybe that was his mistress. Yeah, that's possible. I'm just saying, sometimes you want to go into a place and fill it with uppercuts. And I feel like Jean-Claude is the man to do so. And I feel like he's about to do so in this story. Because I did not read the book. <laughs> See, when our forensic scientists got here, they noticed that there were two footprints 
on the counter level, and it looks like the perpetrator shot him and then did splits over the counter. And, uh, I'm not sure Nikolaev could have done that, but you know who could. <laughs> the time cop himself. JCVD, not NKVD, bro. Come on. Mr. Time Cop to you. That's right. <laughs> so handsome, you know? He's so good. So handsome. I mean, between him and Seagal at this point, you got to go with the old JCVD. Dude, let, let's be honest. If it was James Corden that had all these moves, mm-hmm. you know, that was super ninja and all that, you think he'd be as famous? <laughs> Not a chance. Jean-Claude is fucking ripped. He looks spectacular. It's funny you mention James Corden, because I met him once in public, and uh, let's just say later that night, I got some JCVD. Venereal disease, Greg. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Thank you. Very nice. Good job. I hear he's an asshole. Oh, he's supposed to be like the biggest fucking at like self-inflated ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The day after the assassination, Stalin had the papers print that Nikolaev was a member of the opposition party, and the murder was an attack on the working class. That was complete bullshit. Nikolaev was a proud Stalinist, but it did allow Stalin to blame his political rivals for the crime and then put them on trial. Dozens of his political opponents were put through show trials with fabricated evidence and were either imprisoned or shot. In their place, Stalin installed weak, ineffective yes-men who had posed no threat to Stalin's reign. Mark Furman. Mark Furman. O.J. Simpson trial, bro. Yeah, but... Said a bunch of N-words. I don't think that makes him weak, does it? I'd like to scratch that from the record. Yeah, dude. <laughs> OJ got off yeah, that's because true. of people like that, because he was a weak yes man. Well, he was a weak in man, yeah. but, you know, just being fucking super racist got OJ off. Yeah, that makes him true. weak, right? Uh, yep, that is OJ true. OJ was obviously guilty. I don't know. Can't argue with that logic, man. I don't know. The police beat Rodney King, so that kind of makes me think O.J. got didn't do it. Or maybe he did do it, but he didn't deserve to go to jail because the other racism thing. Because it's tit for tat? Yeah. That's how racism works? <laughs> yep. Well, no, you guys got to be racist over there. We can't, we can't be racist now? <laughs> um, well, no. Yeah, you can, but it's still racist. <laughs> Maybe this Halloween we should do OJ instead of a serial killer. He killed two people. I mean, that's a thing. Minimum. Minimum, yeah. Absolute minimum. <laughs> well, after all of that took place, 1935 turned out to be a pretty chill year for Joseph Stalin. To fight the growing threat of the Nazis, he signed a treaty with France and Czechoslovakia. He restored the voting rights of a bunch of people that had been disenfranchised by the Bolsheviks, and hundreds of thousands of people convicted of lesser crimes were released from prison. Like O.J. 
I don't know what side of the OJ argument I'm on. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just going to keep evoking his name. I, I, I can't it's help like it. Bloody Mary, if you say it three times, he's going to show up behind you and give you some shitty sports opinion on Twitter because that's what he does now and then disappear. Which is what he should do. Yeah. Disappear. Oh, I thought she just meant give you sports opinions. No, 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 I don't need this. Every time a sports story breaks, I'm like, what does OJ think about this? What's OJ doing right now? What? what? Me too. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I think it's Scott Bayo. <laughs> same, same thing. Stalin's new slogan from the country became, quote, Life has become better. Life has become more cheerful. End quote. It's like, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but I have. You've been in an abusive relationship where they just beat you relentlessly and then they're like the sweetest person. And like, Baby, take me back. I love you. Like, yeah, you can go to the store. You can buy whatever type of barbecue chips you want. I don't care this time. I won't hit you because you bring back Lay's barbecue and I wanted KC Masterpiece. It's not going to happen this time. And then, you know, they just get that sweet cycle going. And it lures you back into the relationship, you know? And Look, then, I'm, I'm sorry for that. I just, I, I really wanted, really wanted KC Masterpiece, though. That's why it's fucking name brand, okay? <laughs> I hope you can, you can see my side of things. But regardless, at the end of the day, I just want to kiss you on the head of your penis, okay? <laughs> You know, and I want you to kiss me on the head of mine, so. You know what, I forgive you. I forgive you for everything. Just, I know you love me. I, I knew you didn't mean that. I know you were married to my mom for a short time, but it it wasn't that long, you know, and she probably instilled you with some bad habits, but maybe. I can fix you. I can fix you. Mm. Now that's a, that's a Casey masterpiece. <laughs> the old Come kiss back. cock. Masterpiece. Come back home, baby. <laughs> well, just like that, after Stalin was moderate, he's like, hey, you guys all, get your voting rights back. You can get out of prison. His bipolar ass started murdering the ever-loving fuck out of everyone. <clears throat> now, there wasn't really a group of politicians or a leader that could oppose Stalin but he was still as paranoid as I get every time my wife comes home, goes straight into the shower, takes her phone with her. I keep having to replace her phone because it keeps getting waterlogged. I know she's up. She keeps she's assuring me that I am crazy, that I'm just, you know, I don't trust her. And that makes me the bad guy. But there, there's got to be something up with it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, probably not, though. Oh, thank you. God, I was so worried. <sighs> no, no. I think you're good, man. Thanks, man. God, it just feels good to hear somebody else say it. Just like he had done following Kirov's murder, Stalin decided it was time to falsely incriminate and murder anyone who could possibly oppose him and replace him with someone young, dumb, and full of cum. And little known fact... In the last episode, we told you about how Stalin loved to read. As a revolutionary, he read things by Marx and Lenin, but also fictional works by famous authors like Victor Hugo. Stalin would eventually amass a library so large that this year, author Jeffrey Roberts released a whole damn book, breaking down everything found in Stalin's collection. 
To illustrate how Stalin viewed the purges of the government, you need look no further than one of his books in which he had underlined the quote, The conqueror's peace of mind requires the death of the conquered. And that quote has been attributed to Genghis Khan. What would later be known as the Great Terror, or the Great Purge, began in 1936 with the trials of Grigory Zinoviev and Lev Kamenev, who were leaders of the political party opposing Stalin. And you might remember just the tiniest note from last time. Lev Kamenev used to be Stalin's like best buddy. They, they founded Pravda together, or at least they took over Pravda together, and they were like hugging, high-fiving every day. Going to the beach. Yeah, doing that whole Rocky Three thing, wearing shorty shorts and long socks and hugging oh, six, the surf. Yeah, yeah. Six-inch shorts, for sure. Oh, yeah. Hundy percent. But there was a falling out, man, and Stalin was going to have his. Because those guys were put on trial in August of that year, and they were found guilty of baseless accusations that they planned on assassinating Joseph Stalin. Zinoviev, Kamenev, and 14 other quote-unquote co-conspirators were then all executed by firing squad. Oh, shit. That's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. Mm -hmm. We run a history podcast. We do? You're right. You did it. All right. The end. <laughs> Roll the music. All right. But I feel like a firing squad, um, like... That's one of those things that delineates regular business from serious business. Mm. Right? Yeah. No, it feels okay. fair. Yeah. Whew. <laughs> Thank God. I thought I was about to be exposed as a, a fraud in the history community. Okay. Okay. I'm good. I'm right? Yeah. Or, no, you're, no, you're doing it, man. <sighs> Didn't even need to read the book and he nailed it. <sighs> okay. All right. Go ahead, man. Uh, sorry, I'm excited. <laughs> well, Stalin then thought, quote, fake quote, Man, that was fun. Who else can I have killed for no reason? Oh, yeah, poor people, end quote. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm starting to relate to this guy just a, uh, <laughs> a, little, a little bit. bit. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Some guy. Like he was parked at the stoplight, and this guy made eye contact with him, banging on his window. He's like, "Oh, I gotta do something about this shit. We, <laughs> this has gone too far." Eyes ahead, eyes ahead. Uh, all I have is a credit card, sir. <laughs> Pulls out a little zip cash attachment to his iPhone. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I accept that. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> Fuck the longest red light. <laughs> Just freaking out. Yeah. He's like, you know what, I'm I'm the fucking general secretary. I can do something about this. I can solve poverty in my nation by killing all the poor people. Oh my god. <laughs> that was his a, his quote. A novel idea. In nineteen thirty seven the Police Bureau approved NKVD order number zero zero four four seven. The zeros are superfluous guys. Let's just say number four four seven. And that was designed to eliminate, quote, anti-Soviet elements, end quote. 
Each region or republic was asked to give an estimated number of how many criminals and peasants were living in their areas, and then instructed to send that many people to the gulag prisons, or just go ahead and murder the shit out of them. Your choice. You know, dealer's choice. Former members of the White Army, surviving czarist officials, political prisoners, common criminals, and members of the Orthodox clergy were systematically rounded up and arrested. And guess what? Didn't matter if you'd committed the crime, been arrested, and already served a jail sentence, you were still fair game. Uh, that's not even fair, dude. I've been rehabilitated. But you're I, double I, jeopardy, bro. I, yeah. It's almost like they don't have the Sixth Amendment. Fucking stupid Russians. That's fucking bullshit. I tell you that. We should do a whole show on all the amendments. That way all of our conservative listeners can be like, Wait, there's more than... There's more than three? There's more than three? Don't do that, Chris. Okay. Don't make this nation more divided. <laughs> That's what I'm doing, man. Plus, what are our Swedish listeners going to think? They're like, I don't give a fuck about that. You guys like, have your problems. It's fun watching, like going to a zoo and you look <laughs> through the glass cage. That's what we are to them. Just monkeys throwing shit at each other. Uh -huh. us. And eating it. That's America, bro. Like, you guys had to put that in writing? That that had to be written down, that you would do that for each other. Huh. Okay. Just go over here, enjoy my nice weather and socialized medicine. Yeah. Uh, live life to the fullest, as it were. <laughs> I don't think the weather's that nice, but I get your point. I just got six angry emails from all six of our Swedish listeners. I hope you're happy. I don't understand it. It's like reading an Ikea instruction manual. <laughs> it's only pictures. There's not even fucking words. And I'm those. still going to put one piece in upside down and not realize it till six steps later. <laughs> uh, we cucked ourselves again. <laughs> yeah. Yet again. Well, sometimes to meet the murder quotas established by the NKVD, which increased after the initial count, by the way. They're like, ah, you murdered all those people? Well, actually, the number's this now. <laughs> you know, just keep it going. We like good production here in the Soviet Union. The police would just wait at train stations, and they would arrest people indiscriminately. Your odds of surviving the Great Purge were also much, much lower if you were an ethnic Pole, German, Romanian, Latvian, Estonian, Finn, Greek, Italian, Chinese, or, you know, basically anyone who wasn't born in a Moscow hospital holding a full set of 23andMe results with Joseph <laughs> Stalin personally watching them emerge from their mama's baby canals. Ooh. <laughs> All right, he's Russian. I believe you. I'm never going to do the 23andMe thing, by the way, because that's just how the government's going to figure out a whole lot of things. Oh, yeah. If I ever decide to kill somebody, like, that's how they're going to get me. Yes. So they got the fucking Golden State Killer. If. No, get out of fucking town, bro. If. if. Big if. <laughs> I haven't. Don't judge me now on if I may do something, if I may kill a mother and her two kids, you know? <laughs> I haven't. Right? That you it's, can prove. Maybe it's marbles rolling around in my mind, and I watch them every day, but I haven't done anything wrong. 
is there really anything criminal about looking through a rifle scope at a playground? Like, no. God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought this was America. I thought I had a second minimum right to do this. Yeah. Some amendments got to cover this for sure. <laughs> the Great Purge lasted for about a year and a half, and the best estimate is that during that time, 1.6 million people were arrested, 700,000 were summarily executed, and an unknown number would die in the gulags or during NKVD torture sessions. Ooh, imagine if it was a JCVD torture session. <laughs> He's just like, all right, you can't touch your penis. And he oils himself up and does like a karate routine or something like that. And you're just like... Sweat is just dripping from your nose, from your chin. It's getting in your eye. God, I'm gonna fucking jack off so bad right now. But you can't. You can't. Because it's a JCVD torture session. Well, that's pretty funny, Greg, but approximately 1,500 people died each day during the Great Purge. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Their families are in the front row listening to this podcast, waiting for you to eulogize them. They're driving <laughs> to the remembrance ceremony. <laughs> like, oh, I bet we could find a podcast about this subject. <laughs> Why is this guy talking about Jean-Claude Van Damme so much? The sexual deviant truly cannot help himself. <laughs> Just crying their eyes out because dear papa is getting buried today. They finally exhumed him his body. What the fuck is Time Cop? It's like a 40-year-old movie. I haven't seen that. They made an arcade game out of it, guys. It's not that <laughs> obscure. Come on. What the fuck is an arcade? <laughs> That's a fair point. Now, it wasn't just the common people who were victims of the Purge. You probably remember this, but I'm going to refresh your memory. In the last episode, we told you Stalin was placed in charge of the Red Army in Ukraine, and he did a really, really shitty job as a military leader. So, in response, he blamed all of the career military leaders for his personal failings. You guys remember that? I'm sure you do. You were taking notes. You write that down. Yeah. I remember, for sure. Good. Thank you, Greg. Well, even if you don't remember that, Stalin sure as shit did. Between 1937 and 1939, he would have hundreds of his own Red Army officers, including most of the field marshals, army commanders, and admirals, arrested and executed for made-up crimes. And again, this just goes back to him being terrified someone else is going to seize power from him, like he's not qualified to have it, so... Hey, you're a, you're a pretty popular army guy. Time to murder you. Yes. Thank you. As the Great Purge was winding down in 1938 and 1939, Stalin decided to make a scapegoat out of Nikolai Yezhov, one of the leaders of the NKVD. Through recently released records, we know that pretty much every execution was approved by, or at least known to, the Politburo in Moscow. 
And Yezhov was encouraged to be violent and ruthless, and he was awarded basically every conceivable award and title known to the Soviet government. But in 1938, Stalin clutched his pearls and said he had no idea what Yezhov had been doing and said Yezhov was a drunken beast that had committed excesses and violations of law. And then, following standard Stalin operating procedures, he had Yezhov framed for trying to overthrow the government and had him shot. In the body. With a gun. Oh, shit. That fired a bullet. Changes everything. People hmm. weren't even ready for that. You're like, oh. Yeah. Had him shot with the COVID vaccine. Now he has microchips in him. <laughs> Fuck, government can track him. Uh. <laughs> but no, it was gun. That's a real fucking Second <laughs> Amendment gun. Good. <laughs> yeah. You see, Stalin had seen what was going on in Spain, which was involved in a civil war at that moment, and they had a quote-unquote fifth column of citizens that was rising up to fight fascist General Francisco Franco. And that's probably a story for another day, but. That's what was happening at this time period across the continent. And Stalin also remembered how Germany had snuck Lenin into Russia to help overthrow the government. And who, at this moment in time, was getting all riled up for war? Who was horny to take over Europe? That's right. In the late 1930s? Yeah. Hmm. Can I have a guess? One guess. Is it Adolf Hitler? It is Adolf Hitler! Whoop dick, show him what he's won! A new car! Hell yeah! Well, uh, thank you. I, I do appreciate you. So since Stalin figured war was inevitable, he decided the best way to win was to make sure there would be no one left at home to oppose him. Now I know what you're thinking, listener. You're thinking, quote, Well, you know, to me, as a modern person, just a thinking person, it sounds like bulletproof logic to eliminate your enemies at home before you go to war with another nation. End quote. It's <laughs> a lot of quoting. Yeah, yeah. That's just what they're thinking. You know, I, I, yeah, know, yeah. I, you know, uh-huh. I can read these people like a book, which I read every week, Greg. Yes, you do. (laughs) But if you are thinking that, please, for the love of God, I am begging you once again to stop agreeing with ruthless dictators. Because that's what Stalin thought. You fucking asshole. Wow. God. These people. It's really starting to make me question, like, what kind of people actually listen to this show. Like, I cannot be more clear about how I feel about dictators and you know just general evil but these these listeners they're well i want to be kind so let's just call them an unscrupulous bunch (laughs) not a lot of scruples amongst them no they went into their their toy boxes their their hope chests went digging you know how many scruples they found None. Nary a scruple amongst them. We'll put it that way. (laughs) 
Well, idiots who agree with Stalin, his great plan had some serious fucking downsides. If you murder and imprison a couple of million people, there isn't going to be anyone left to work in your factories or harvest your grain. What? Yeah. (laughs) That sounds very (laughs) stupid. Anyway, continue. And after all the military purges, it was so fucked up that Stalin had to release arrested officers back into service before the NKVD could blast them in their domes. I wish that JCVD would blast me in my dome. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) What is he even up to these days? I don't know. Probably not simping for Putin like his arch-rival from the 80s, Steven Seagal. Oh, fuck that pickled, bloated piece of shit. I saw a movie with him where he's supposed to play a spec op sniper recently. I think it's like from like 2018. And I'm not shitting you. 90% of the movie is him sitting down in a chair and talking because he's so fat and out of shape. Like one of those. He looks like a dog penis. <laughs> he is the physical embodiment on a human scale of a dog penis. I feel like that's a fair descriptor. Thank you, Greg. Well, because of Stalin's purges, the army fell into a state of decay and chaos, and they were being led by idiots who had no experience. 100 Proof History (laughs) And the first test of this new and disimproved military came in mid-1938 when the Red Army clashed with the Japanese near Lake Kasan, which sits near the border of China and Korea. The man in charge of the battle was Marshal Vasily Blücher, who bungled the transport of supplies and men to the front and gave disorganized orders that almost cost the Soviets the battle. They came out on top, but Blücher had made a fatal mistake when he had told Joseph Stalin that he didn't want to use aircraft because it was foggy and he was worried about bombing Korean citizens. Stalin didn't give two shits about his pilots risking their life in fog, and he didn't give one single shit about killing Koreans. Neither did my uncle. <laughs> he, oh, he oh, fought he, in the Korean War? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was just like a, a trip that he took where that boy... Oh, no, it was, was in gonna San testify. Francisco. No, oh. <laughs> not the U.S.-Korean War. Oh, gotcha. No, he he uh, had a checkered past. Um, when he was homeless in San Francisco. I got you. Okay. And I, I know that he uh, he did not give a shit about killing Koreans. <laughs> Why am I laughing at that? That's horrible. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's very weird that you would laugh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all of our Korean listeners from San Francisco and your family sitting in the front row listening to this eulogy. I'm sorry. Well, as a result of his disagreement with Stalin, Blücher was arrested and tortured to death. This battle had shown Stalin he wasn't quite ready for a full-blown war. Meanwhile, to his west, the Germans, led by a lesser-known historical figure named Adolf Hitler... Who? Uh, some guy, I don't know. I-, I think we've done like an episode on him and nobody listened because it was too obscure. Doubt it. Well, that guy appeared hellbent on taking a whole bunch of European territory for Germany. In 1939, Stalin and Hitler agreed it wasn't in their best interest to fight each other, 
and they signed the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, in which they agreed not to fight, and instead divided up Eastern Europe between their two countries. Long-time listeners will know this, but new-time listeners, you might be surprised to know that we have talked about the build-up to World War II between Hitler and the Western powers several times. So we're going to save you the deets, and we're just going to skip to September 1st, 1939, when Germany invaded Poland. The Soviets waited until September 17th to get in all the fun, when they stormed into Poland from the east. Stalin and the USSR were officially at war, but over the following five years, they'd suffer millions of deaths, be the victim and perpetrator of several atrocities, and would find themselves on the opposite side of the war from where they started. And, looking at Greg, listener, just looking through his webcam, staring at those beautiful blue eyes, I can tell you that he is just super horny to tell you about all of that after we take a break. That's not true. I'm not super horny. I'm mildly aroused. <laughs> but we'll get to it after this very small musical segment. Yeah, he he isn't even paying attention. He was watching Cyborg from the 1980s. He's like, look at that Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's acting so robotic, but his body looks so human. He's so sexy. He's so goddamn sexy. <laughs> All right, boys and girls. We'll see you on the being hole. I'm, I'm a human, and I'm coming. <laughs> Alright, welcome back from break. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I know we did. We had some good times. We were on the internets playing video games together. And Greg only screamed at me like a hundred times to make me cry, but he couldn't see me. It's exaggerating. It was like five times maximum <laughs> in two games. <laughs> uh, but we are back and we're talking about Joseph Stalin. If you guys don't remember... From 10 seconds ago, World War II had started, and Stalin and the Soviets, they had taken the eastern part of Poland, all this stuff that uh, Hitler had promised them, and Hitler's a trustworthy guy. I'm sure he's going to be, you know, keeping this deal, keeping his word going forward. But uh, before Greg tells you all about that, I don't know, Greg, maybe we should pop open our second half seltzers? Oh, second half seltzer. And three, two, one. I didn't even pop my. Did you see that? I did. (laughs) Oh my god. Holy shit, dude. I forgot about these. That seltzer was very excited to see Greg. Very excited. Every single one of these I've opened has just started immediately foaming over. Yeah. I completely forgot because I hate them because of that. <laughs> oh, God, they taste like shit, too. And so it's been several weeks since I've had one. Now I've made a mess of myself Yeah, and the studio. And now that can is just sitting there going, I'm sorry, baby. You're, you're just so pretty. And it's been so long for me. 
It's been months, and you know, I just, I couldn't know myself, you know, but give me a few hours, maybe some vitamin E, we'll go again. How the fuck did these things expire? This is awful. Which one is that, the uh, Carbock? Shotgun. Shotgun. Seltzer. Oh yeah, those are awful. I have two of them in my fridge from like a year and a half ago. But it says 6.9%. I was lured <laughs> in. God. Now I have to take off my shirt. Yeah, here. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mmm. It's fucking seriously soaking wet. <laughs> All right, well, fuck that thing. Okay. That's fine. He can continue drinking whiskey. I'm going to drink my delicious seltzer from a brand we will not mention until he goes money. But Greg, I think maybe it's time to tell these people about the war and the Soviet involvement in the war. I can do that. Oh, sweet. Well, it was September 1939, and the Soviets were living it up in the western portions of Ukraine and Belarus that they had seized back from the Polish. And by living it up, I mean they abolished capitalism, arrested anyone they deemed as suspicious, and had them tossed in the gulag or murdered. In 1940, the Politburo realized that doing this piecemeal was an ineffective approach and just decided to go ahead and execute every single prisoner of war in Poland that they had captured. Between April and May, over 21,000 Polish soldiers, police officers, landowners, and government officials were shot dead. Fun horn sound from Wolfdick. I do not agree with Chris's demand. I did not agree with what Wolfdick just did. Or Wolfdick's compliance. <laughs> Even though I told him to do it, I do not agree with what he just did. I, I was testing him. It and was he a failed. test. <laughs> <laughs> While things were going just gangbusters for the Soviets in Poland, Stalin was earning the title King of Shit Mountain in Finland. The Soviets had invaded Finland in the very wintry month of November and should have steamrolled the Finns, who had 4 million citizens, to the USSR's 160 million. At the same time, the Finns were proud owners of a total of 26 tanks versus the Soviets' 1,500 tanks. But the Finns fought fiercely and were able to inflict massive casualties on the poorly led Soviets, who were so unprepared for the war that they didn't even have enough coats, let alone snow camouflage. After losing 130,000 troops in combat, Stalin signed a peace treaty with the Finns in which he gained a lot of territory, but the Finnish kept their independence. This this part's crazy to me because, you know, we, you and me, and a lot of people know what happens here in the war. They're like, oh yeah, it was the winter in Russia. That's what actually won the war because, you know, they, the other side wasn't ready for the winter. They're like, well, these fucking assholes weren't ready for the winter. And they lived in it. You know, ah, it's November, it's snowing, it's fine. We'll, we'll take this in like two days and we don't even need coats. And we'll just go out here in our fucking tuxedos, our three-piece suits, the red corsage mounted in here. We'll go over there and ask the Finns to prom, because they're just going to fucking surrender. You know, and they don't. They end up fighting you. They end up beating the shit out of you. And they say, I didn't agree to go to prom with you, and my boyfriend's coming, and he's going to beat you even more if you don't get out of here. And you're like, okay, fine. <laughs> fine. I didn't even want to go to your prom. Girl who I'm six years older than, you know, just because I didn't get to go to mine because of that arrest, that's fine. 
Sorry. I, but you, you got me that red mum for homecoming, and I didn't go with you to homecoming. I don't know why you would expect me to go with you to prom. Are you insane? <laughs> <laughs> no! No! You're just a bitch. You're a fucking bitch. You only want chads. You don't want nice guys like me. I Soviets. talked to your mom, and she said you're not even allowed within a thousand feet of Finland. But here you are. You're like asking me out after English class. If you fucking tell anyone, I'll cut you to death and play in your blood. <laughs> Phew. His fucking IROC Camaro from 1986 peels out, just leaving smoke behind. IROC Z. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> It'll be a connoisseur of the pedophilia cars. <laughs> the Great Purge, the struggle against Japan in 1938, and the abject failure in Finland had shown that maybe Stalin wasn't really good at this whole running a country and fighting wars thing. A whole lot of people saw that, including old Adolf Elizabeth Hitler himself. In December of 1940, Hitler approved plans to stab his best friend Stalin in the back and invade the USSR in May of 1941. No, not Hitler. He seemed like such a nice guy up to this point. What is what's My he doing? last friend. <laughs> Quote Stalin. Quote not, Stalin. Yeah, not yeah, great. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not. <laughs> Wolf Dick, mark that down right now. This time in the podcast, Greg called Hitler his best friend. I'm sorry, his last friend. <laughs> Back home in Russia, the Soviets were once again heavily focused on industrialization and building up their military might. They passed a law that made the workday and work week longer and made it a crime to be late to work or leave without permission. Over the following year, over three million people would be arrested for this crime. They all posted about it on Reddit. All the text messages between them and their boss. Like, you believe what this asshole's making me do? <laughs> Give me upvotes because I'm about to get sent to the fucking gulag. Please. Please. <laughs> <laughs> well, man. The Soviets were able to get together over 25,000 tanks and 1,800 aircraft. So they were ready to kick Nazi ass if they needed to. But the construction was a tad bit shoddy. Only 1,500 of the tanks were of a modern design, and only like 4,000 of the planes were actually new. Turns out, work or go to jail isn't a great motivator. Meanwhile, Stalin was busy telling everyone he just saw Attack of the Clones, and he had a great original thought, all on his own. He realized that when your country is at war, you need one strong leader. Sure, he had basically been in charge of everything for like 15 years, but on May 4th, 1941, he tweeted, May the 4th be with you. <laughs> also, I am now the sole ruler of the Soviet Union. Hashtag blessed. And since he had replaced practically the entire government with a bunch of ineffectual, effeminate kiss-asses, they all liked and retweeted. <laughs> Fucking Ted Cruz, all over it, man. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I know this guy talked bad about me in the primaries and said my wife was a dog, but I like him now that you guys <laughs> like him. <laughs> I know he has a red lightsaber and he just killed Samuel L. Jackson, but uh, let's hear him out, fellas. <laughs> Hitler planned on invading the Soviet Union in May. But there were several delays, which we talked about on our episode covering Operation Barbarossa, 
our Hitler episodes and probably even our Mussolini episodes. So if you don't know what happened, stop being a jerk and go listen to those. The invasion was pushed back to June 22nd, which came as a surprise to absolutely no one except maybe Joseph Stalin. The German military had been building up on the border for months, with Hitler telling Stalin it was just a dry run of his planned invasion of England. On June 21st, a German sergeant defected and crossed into the USSR and told the Soviets that there was an invasion coming and uh, it began the next morning. Stalin said it was just provocation and not to attack the Germans. Yep, and little known fact, Stalin had known that the attack was coming as early as June 17th when he received an intelligence report stating aerial surveillance had spotted a shitload of Germans and an invasion was imminent. In response, Stalin wrote to his security commissar, quote, real quote, You can send your source from German aviation headquarters back to his fucking mother. This is disinformation, not a source. End real quote. Hashtag fake news. That's how it starts, man. <laughs> Soviet Union first. You know, we're going to build that wall. A wall might have helped him <laughs> in this case. It's true. Back then, yeah. Not really. No, it wouldn't do anything. would have just blown up the wall. Blow through the wall. Even then, he'd been like, well, I see they're blowing down the wall, but they're probably just trying to like, get a rise out of me. You know, <laughs> That prankster Hitler, he's always up to some shenanigans. You just got to sit back and wait till he says, Prank, bro. And you're like, ha, mm -hmm. ha, ha, ha. I, did, I knew it. I knew it, man. This is your YouTube, right? Hitler. Ask Josip. Ask Josip. I called it. <laughs> the Germans invaded in the early morning hours of June 22nd, but Stalin still hesitated to do anything about it. It took until 7.15, almost four hours after the invasion began, for Stalin to finally say, Okay, you can attack. But he also said to stay merely on the defensive and not cross any borders and attack Germany directly. The first day of the battle was a goddamned catastrophe. The Soviets lost 1,800 aircraft, 1,500 of which were still on the ground. The Nazis gained 80 kilometers of territory in a single day. Stalin was initially in a state of shock, but in a few days he regained his composure and like a true leader... He screamed at his generals to the point that one of them had to run out of the room to conceal his baby tears. <laughs> you imagine this shit after Pearl Harbor? Like, Roosevelt's like, what the fuck, guys? How do we not see this coming in? This is all your fault. And Eisenhower just, like, runs in the corners. Why is he so mean? Why does he mean to me? <laughs> Do him the best. Damn it. <laughs> Well, by July, things were going so shittily that Stalin had General Dmitry Pavlov, who was commander of the Western Front, and several of his subordinates arrested and executed. He was just fucking around with dogs the whole time instead of paying attention to what was going on in the war. Pavlov's, oh, Pavlov's dog. dog. Okay. Yeah. Mm, history joke. It took me a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> right now, there's the Psych 101 major just laughing his ass off. Slap on the dashboard. Pavlov's dogs. I just read about that. Oh, man, that's great. Snorting another line of code <laughs> yeah. as he slaps that dash. Fuck yeah, man. Whoa. Yeah. 
Joe Biden's gonna forgive my debt. Fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to tell people what's wrong with them. Nothing's wrong with me. (laughs) I'm perfect. Just a kid in a minivan next to him at the stoplight. Like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? He's headbanging to yeah, a podcast. To a podcast. You know it's all gone wrong when you're headbanging to a point made on a podcast. <laughs> Slapping that fucking Ford Taurus dash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just... <laughs> I'm sorry, I was laughing again at the lines off the dashboard. <laughs> Dogs. Ah. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have actual money. He's using money from the game of life to to roll up and do the cocaine off the dash. But because yeah. that's what decided his profession. He's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I shouldn't have picked college. What a fucking idiot. Says <laughs> <laughs> I'm a psychologist. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Well, I got to live the lifestyle now. Just sitting in the room while somebody's talking about all their serious problems, and he's just like high in cocaine, like drawing a magical device <laughs> that could reach inside your brain and pluck out the issues one by mm-hmm. one, like a crane game from the arcade. And he's like, you, you get tickets for saving the lives, and then then you get the stuffed Mario. <laughs> <laughs> but meanwhile, outwardly, always doing his. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And how'd that make you feel? Mm-hmm. So many mm-hmm. tickets. So many fucking Patient tickets. left the room 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks up, chair's empty. It's fucking night out. You got the uh, jan- janitor in the hallway vacuuming like, oh, fuck, I've been in a trance. Goddamn. <laughs> I need to get some help. My teeth stumps now. I've been grinding them for like 12 hours. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Well, Stalin, like I said, began to micromanage the army himself, and uh, his big strategy was using counterattacks and never giving up an inch of ground. Because of this brilliant plan, entire Soviet armies were encircled and destroyed. Of course, none of this was Stalin's fault. No, it was those cowardly troops that kept dying like little bitches. So, he reinstated the use of the military commissar. These guys were loyal Stalin communists who were given the power to execute anyone they thought wasn't fighting hard enough. By October of 41, over 10,000 troops had been executed. Then, Stalin made it treasonous to retreat or surrender, and to achieve this goal, the commissars placed soldiers with machine guns behind the front line so that they could just go ahead and slaughter anyone who wasn't fighting hard enough for Daddy Joseph. In Ukraine, General Georgi Zhukov was begging Stalin to let him fall back to abandon Kiev and fall back across the Dnieper. Instead, Stalin transferred Zhukov and ordered the soldiers to hold their ground. They were promptly encircled and slaughtered. In the far north, Stalin realized he was fucked and didn't blame anyone else, but was still helpless to stop the Germans from laying siege to Leningrad, where hundreds of thousands would wind up starving to death. Things looked pretty bleak, and the Russian winter and stupidly long supply lines across the shit-tier Soviet infrastructure ground the German advance to a halt just outside Moscow. By January of 1942, the Soviets had lost an astounding 2.3 million men, basically their entire army, 
but had managed to replace it. That month, they launched a surprise counteroffensive against the Nazis and slowly began to drive them out of the country. And this is one of the things, you know, they talk about the Soviet winter. That's what won the war for the Russians. And you know what? To their credit, is partially right because the Russians had no actual plan of attack or defense. And Stalin's just fucking things up left and right. But you get into Russia and there's like no roads and their railroads are all built this stupid gauge and you can't get your supplies at the front line. And all of a sudden you're getting your shit pushed in and everybody's like, oh, oh, Stalin's doing a great job, man. He's only lost 2.3 fucking million humans to this point. You know, no big deal. That's like one seventieth of our population. We can replace that. No, <laughs> uh, sorry to your mothers. <laughs> your life was worthless. Yeah, you know, stupid gauge railroads. <laughs> you know, because they're a different gauge. Yeah, yeah. Those stupid gauge railroads. Yeah, they were stupid. They, it's just, it's not fair. Their gauge is different. You know, you can't talk about it in Florida schools. There's the, the gauge of it. Oh, you mean, like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, got you. 1942 was still something of an up-and-down year. The Soviets were able to drive the Germans back, but at a massive cost, and Stalin continued to order counterattacks and attempted to take cities that had become German strongholds. Luckily for him, that same year, old dumb-dumb Hitler decided he really, really, really needed to take the city of Stalingrad for... I don't some weird reason, but still pretty unclear to everyone, some 80 years later. It was such a massive battle that we did a whole show on it, but just know that in the end, it was a huge defeat for the Germans, and it basically doomed their entire war effort. Following the victory, the Politburo, the Politburo voted to make Stalin the Generalissimo, but he decided to stay humble and just make himself Marshal instead. That's, you know, that's very brave of him, I feel. It, you know, he at this point, you know, he's just killed millions of our own citizens, lost millions more in the war, and he's like, guys, guys, generally some of that's, that's too much. I'll just make myself marshal, which is the highest rank in our military currently. <laughs> just just the same rank as the guy, uh, George Zukov, who just won that battle for us. You know, yeah, I'm not that much better than him. I am... Better than him, you know, but just slightly. My my penis is like 0. 0.2 inches longer than his, so... What's up, lady? But the key word is uh, longer. <laughs> it, is, it is longer. I'm probably, yes. probably the humblest person I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> the victory at Stalingrad came in 1943. Shortly thereafter, there was another victory at Kursk. From there on out, it was mostly smooth sailing as the Soviets began to fight across Eastern Europe. As they did so, they continued their tradition of murdering anyone they slightly suspected of being anti-communist. Things got really fucking bad when the Soviets entered German territory. Once there, they robbed, murdered, and raped thousands upon thousands of German citizens. Stalin basically shrugged at all this and ordered his men to push onward. By May 9th, 1945, Hitler was dead, the Soviets had taken Berlin, and the Nazis had surrendered. And we had done it. We all high-fived over the corpse of Hitler, said, Allies won this war, shook hands, and we all agreed, U.S., Britain, 
USSR. We're going to be best friends forever. Nothing's ever going to come between us, fellas. No, of course not. We defeated evil, right? Just like how we started this podcast, when we were doing it in person and stuff. We're like, we're, we're best friends. We're, and then COVID hit, and you're like, well, maybe we do it over Zoom. And then, like, COVID progressed, and then 2022 came, and COVID was over, but you're like, what if we just record our parts separately and just guess whatever, but what the other person's saying? Let me have your people talk to my people. <laughs> we'll figure out a script. You laugh at this second mark. I say this joke. You know, it's, it's yeah. finally fucking, it's a well-oiled machine. You guys think we're having a conversation here. That laugh that you just heard, I'm I'm on the script reading that that laugh happens. I'm reading these words that I'm saying right now. It's in the script, okay? Wolf Dick is our North Korea, our Vietnam. We're just dividing him right in the middle. You know, I got the useless bottom part of him. Got the useless bottom. Oh, shit, that's your line. Uh, I guess that was Chris's line. Sorry, yeah. Probably hearing those both at the same time. Anyway. It's estimated that during the war, the Soviets under Stalin lost 27 million people. Their towns were destroyed, their fields burned, and it was a slow transition to a peacetime economy. As a result, another 1.5 million died in a famine that ran from 1946 to 1947. Stalin responded to this in his usual humanitarian manner by passing a law that made it punishable from 5 to 25 years in prison camp for simple theft. Mr. I love Victor Hugo literally had people arrested for stealing a loaf of bread for their starving families. And they were all singing, you know, they're all sitting in their hovels watching their family members getting dragged away and they're singing, I dream that God would be forgiving. Because that's the only line from that musical that I know. Interesting. Well, when it came to world politics, things were going pretty great. Following the end of World War II, the USSR expanded its territory and flexed its might on the regular. In 49, the Soviets detonated the Tsar Bomba, which was and remains the largest nuclear weapon ever detonated. In 1950, Stalin lent aid to the North Koreans in their fight against South Korea and the United States, and then convinced China to get in on the fun too. The war would end in a stalemate, but North Korea would be a communist nation whose brutal dictatorship mirrored that of Stalin's. Back at home in Moscow, Stalin was being his old dickhead self again. Anyone in his party that appeared to be getting too popular and threatening his reign was arrested on false charges and executed. Leaders of other countries in the Republic were likewise arrested and also executed if they didn't properly bend to Stalin's will at all times. You say republic, so obviously these are all elected officials and representatives, and they have like a congress to set the laws. There's like a checks and balances sort of situation. Definitely, definitely. It's like the uh, Democratic People's Republic of Korea, also known as North Korea. Yeah, Yeah, like that one. Yeah, and you know, these things which show great strength is also why I oppose socialism, because... You know who else was socialist? The Nazis with their National mm. Socialist Workers Party, you know? Hmm. Yes, yes. 
Is that how it goes? That's how history works, man. You just call it what you want, and it, that's what it is. Interesting. Okay. And then there were the Jews. Bum, bum, bum. Sorry. In late 1952, the NKVD and the Soviet Union, quote, dug up evidence that a group of terrorist Jewish doctors were using fake treatments and bad medicine to shorten the lives of the leaders of the Soviet Union on behalf of an international Jewish organization. Or, some might say, a cabal. Just like Dr. Anthony Fauci. (laughs) What is he? He retired to avoid questioning. That's what I heard this week. He was like, he was so scared that he's going to get arrested for covering up all the lives he ruined during COVID, you know? No, that's all you got to do is you just retire and then it's like, oh, well, fuck, he's untouchable. Now he can take whatever documents he wants to his house. I can't do anything about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as a result of this, the head of the Kremlin Health Services, the top two medical professors, and even Stalin's own personal physician were arrested and tortured into false confessions. On February 28th of 53, Stalin invited his top advisors over to his home. As they often did, they watched a movie, had dinner, got absolutely hammered, shithouse fucking drunk, and listened to music. What do you think, uh, what movie you think they were watching there? Like, Dude, Where's My Car? Like, hey, you gotta watch this. It's really funny. And he's, like, looking around the room to see who's laughing. Enemy at the gates. <laughs> So this is not historically accurate, guys. We didn't have this here at Stormcrad. It was very different. You, you, you would know if you were there and I hadn't killed all your predecessors. <laughs> when Stalin left, he was drunk and in a good mood, joking with everyone. He fell asleep in the morning hours of March 1st. By this point in his life, people were fucking terrified of disturbing him or suggesting anything could possibly be wrong with him so when Stalin didn't get out of bed, his guards were too scared to go check. It wasn't until the night of March 1st that the guards got up the courage to go into Stalin's room under the guise of delivering the mail. They found him unresponsive on the dining room floor, having pissed himself. Which, been there. I've been under the guise delivering the mail. (laughs) Nice, nice, very nice. They moved him to a couch and called his top advisors who drove over to Stalin's house and quietly snuck into his dining room. They decided Stalin was just sleeping and had literally gotten pissed drunk, and they left after calling the bodyguards a bunch of scaredy-cat little bitches. But they too were a little worried when Stalin hadn't shown up for work on March 2nd. His officials knew he'd lose his shit if they called doctors and he didn't need one, especially since he was planning on killing a whole bunch of doctors but that morning they decided to send one just in case. When the doctors arrived, they realized that Stalin had suffered a massive stroke. Mama Over the following few days, he was fed with a spoon while doctors gave him various medicines and even put leeches on him to draw out the bad blood, you know, like it was goddamn 1796. On March 5th, 1953, at 9.50 p.m., Stalin died an agonizing death as he stared angrily at everyone by his bedside and choked to death on his own fluids. <laughs> Just an angriest fucking stare at him. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry to laugh. I'm sorry to laugh. 
No, Fuck you're this not. Guy. Fuck this guy. Stalin's advisors immediately went to work dismantling the dictatorship and softening the government's treatment of its citizens by doing things like making torturing criminals illegal. No longer did they stack naked dudes in the prison and take a thumbs-up picture next to it. It's an Abu Grave joke? Yep. 20 years, wow. baby. Woo! All right. <laughs> Stalinism died with its namesake. In the end, Stalin had ruled with an iron fist and had ensured that the communist ideals he fought for in his youth would never be fully realized. But he also had industrialized his nation, led them through a world war, and made the Soviet Union a global superpower. All at the scant cost of millions upon millions of his own people's lives. But hey, you can't make an omelet without cracking a few eggs, right guys? Guys? End of story. Woo! We did it! We told the tale of Stalin from birth to death. I know all you haters on the internet, you're like, no, can't be done. No one can do this. Especially not you, Hunter Proof History, but look at what we just did. Look what just fucking happened right in your ear holes. We did it! Did it again. But you know what? Sometimes we intentionally leave out facts of the story. We're like, hey, these things are cool, but what if we held on to them for later? What if we're like, these are mine, my precious, my facts, my fast facts. Fast fact number one. Despite saying he had nothing to do with any of it, Stalin absolutely knew that the Great Purge was based on nonsense. In one speech in June of 1937, he said, quote, Every party member, honest, non-member, and citizen of the USSR has not only the right, but also the duty to report any failings that he notices. Even if only 5% are true, it will still be worthwhile. End quote. Fast fact number two. When the Soviets struck westward in the early days of World War II, they didn't just imprison and kill people they thought might cause problems. They weren't completely heartless monsters. Sometimes they just separated entire families and shipped them to random spots within the interior of Russia, never to see each other again. Between 1940 and 41, over 370,000 people were involuntarily relocated. Fast fact number three. In addition to the anti-retreat units that sat behind the front lines and killed the shit out of anyone who didn't attack the Germans, Stalin also ordered the creation of penal battalions and companies. These units were made up of people who had been arrested for political crimes. They were told that if they fought, they would be granted a pardon, but in reality, they were often under-equipped or completely unarmed and were only used as cannon fodder designed to use up German ammo supplies. Fast fact number four. Several documents and memoirs suggested that if Stalin had not died, he was planning on recreating the Holocaust. First, Stalin would publicly execute the arrested doctors and then he would have all the Jews deported to camps in Siberia where he would enact a genocide. Several historians believe that this was all part of a plan 
to draw the Western powers into yet another war. All right, well, that does it for Stalin. We will be back very soon with some more content. But in the meantime, you can check us out at 100ProofHistory on the Instagrams, Facebooks, and Twitters. You can also go to 100ProofHistory.com where you can find a little bit of biographic information about us. You can also find our Patreon, where for just $3 a month, you get old episodes, bonus mini-episodes, and at least two-day early access to new releases. Like I said, it's just $3 a month. It's such a great fucking deal. Peanuts. Peanuts. It has not gone up with the price of inflation. That's right. We are inflation-proof because we love you that much and we want you guys to check out what we have to offer. Well, for myself, your sexiest of co-hosts, I am Christopher. For Wolf Dick, our esteemed invalid producer, and for Dan, Dan, the intro-man who checked out immediately after the intro, but he was so spent, guys. He was... He needed some electrolytes. He needed to hydrate after that thing because it took it out of him. We all say thank you for listening, and we ask main host, ultimate host, best host, Gregory, what else? I dreamed that love would never die. I prayed that God would be forgiving. The end. I'm going to go watch that. Yeah, but it's like six hours, and it's like serious business history, so you listen to it, like, man, that's really good. We're like, here's a history point. Now, let me talk about my uncle fucking me in the ass. So you haven't had to deal with a dog, and yelling isn't cute. Say, so is my butthole cute? Because I'll put it over the fucking banister for you to look at. That, no, that won't play well. Well, I don't even remember, what was the last outro? I don't know. <laughs> Felt like it was kind of funny, but I don't remember. I don't either. Well, it's because you ruined my fucking evening, Chris. You fucking ruined it. You love me. If you guys want to know where to send them, go to our website. We've got a little P.O. box set up. Just make sure they got dry ice on them. They can last three days. I'll collect all the livers I can get. You got a white liver? You got a black liver? You got an H? I don't care. Give me all the livers. I'll have the doctors figure out if they're compatible, Okay. And the rest I'll eat. Because I think there's, there's probably some inherent power there, like eating, you know, the placenta.